Psalm 13:6. I will sing to the Lord, because He has dealt bountifully with me. When God comes calling, day seventeen, chapter eleven, a new era. I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Acts, chapter twenty, verse twenty four. NIV version. If it be possible, let us try to set some work going that will glorify Him when we are dead and gone. Let us scatter some seed that may spring up when we are sleeping beneath the hillock in the cemetery. What is hillock? Hillock. I'm not fully sure, but I think it's just like a hill. Okay, got it. Charlie's Edge, Sperangian. A few years after my father passed away in nineteen sixty-four, I visited his old Kentucky home. When I knocked on the door of the neighbor's house, the first thing they said to me was. Obviously, Fletcher's eyes. Is that Orville? Orville. Orville. Orville Fletcher's eyes. Without knowing exactly who I was, they remembered my father's eyes and saw those same eyes in me. I don't know if I ever resembled Dad that much outwardly. But as his namesake sang, I was destined to carry his name through life. For me, it wasn't his eyes that captivated me as much as his heart. I longed to be like that inwardly, a man of strong character. Yet at times, that seemed to be everything. That I was not, and everything I wanted to be. That seemed to be everything that I was not, and everything I wanted to be. I was the ordinary, ordinary son of a great father and a great mother, who raised five sons and two daughters. In their steps, I would follow. But I was certain I would never be as great as they were. Many years later, Peggy and I spent Christmas in Indonesia with our daughter Gini and her husband Kemager. By this time, they had already been in Indonesia several years, following a term in South Africa, working among Hindus. And the Muslims, their eldest son Kenny, who was just a youngster at at the time, asked me one of those direct questions that only kids are bold enough to ask. Grandpa, 
Am I going to get an inheritance someday? I chuckled and shared with him about the riches that we have in Christ. One of the many lessons I had learned long ago from my father. The morning I had that talked with Kenny, I came across Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. In my quiet time with the Lord, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But what inheritance do Peggy and I have to pass on to our children and our children's children? I wondered. We certainly don't have much in terms of material possessions or dollars and cents, but our parents didn't either. Beyond the earthly treasures is something of far greater significance and worth the lasting treasure of a ministry to enrich the peoples. Treasures in heaven, where mouth and uh, where, is that mouth? Mouth. Where mouth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves, where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasures in heaven where mouth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 and RV version. What an inheritance to leave for the next generation. I'm so grateful to the Lord that he came calling in four generations of our family. Today, our four children and their spouse are all in full-time ministry. Many of our grandchildren were born on the field, in countries that Peggy and I prayed for decades ago. Just as God gave our family a heart for the unreached, He faithfully linked us with like-minded people all over the globe. Today, the international family of pioneers works in more than 100 countries. More than 3,200 international members serve on 314 ministry teams among 500 enriched people groups in some of the most remote places on the planet. With the psalmist, we can truly say, the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 118, verse 23, NIV version. In early 1999, our son John concluded it was time to step down as executive director during his 10 and a one half years in office. He did a foundational work in taking the mission from infancy to maturity. Something I could not have done, John wanted to stay involved with the mission, but felt that God had another role for him and another person to serve as president. When John stepped down, the board 
appointed Steve Richardson to take his place as president of the U.S. Operations of Pioneers Steve had already served with us for eight years as team leader and five years as area director for Island Southeast Asia and Oceania, supervising, how to read it? Supervising. Uh Uh-huh. Supervising 15 of our missionary teams. The board knew he was a gifted man. Still in his 30s, yet with a proven track record of leadership on the field and dedicated to the Lord as well as to the vision and value of pioneers. When Steve was a boy growing up in the jungles of Iran Jaya, he remembers spending time with his father under the star at night. His dad would point out various constellations and talk about God's promise to Abraham 4,000 years earlier. That all nations would be blessed through him and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Steve was impressed by the impact of the gospel on the tribal Tribal people, tribal, right? Tribal, yeah. Mm, tribal people around him. By his parents' faith and by God's redemptive plan in the scriptures, and he determined that he too wanted to be a blessing to the world. Throughout his youth and college years, he unwaveringly unwaveringly pursued this missionary call. God's promise to Abraham, his redemptive plan for the nations is a true for the promise. I will bless you and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 and 3 in our version. You and I are the ones whom God has called to take Abraham's blessing to the world. We are in the midst of an incredible era of of need, but also an incredible era of harvest. Many people lament the fact that the dark is getting darker, and it is. Worldwide, there are 500 million orphans and 120 million street children. 18 million children under the age of 5 die annually due to hunger. 2.2 billion do not have safe water to drink. 500 million are on the verge of starvation. 2.2 billion live in countries that frequently use torture. What does that mean, frequently use torture? Torture is like causing someone great pain. Yeah. So countries that use, like, for example, 
if you during war like people might get captured and then um they would get tortured for information maybe mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i see yeah yes the dark is getting darker but thanks be to our god light is also getting brighter in the last 35 years evangelical christians have nearly tripled in number from 98 million to 254 million worldwide the bible promises nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn Isaiah chapter 60 verse 3 NIV version As I look at the miracles God has taught worked during pioneers first two decades I'm excited to anticipate what he's going to do in the future The next 20 years if the Lord should tarry that long what is tarry Terry is like kind of wait that long. Oh. Will prove to be an even greater chronicle of his walking with us and through us. I'm convinced we are on the edge of an unbelievable era of harvest such as the world has never been before seen. Led by a straight way. To prepare for this harvest, the Lord led us to move our headquarters from outside Washington, D.C. to Orlando, Florida in 1992. We were blessed by our time in Washington, particularly by our close relationship with the Faith Bible Church, FBC, in Sterling, Virginia which was a lifeline to us. The church has been with us since the very founding of the ministry and over the years has given more than 2 million in support for pioneers, missionaries and projects. An astounding figure for a local church. In addition, FBC has sent countless missionaries our way and served as a constant source of wisdom, direction, and counsel. As much as we valued our location in Washington, it was clear financially that we had to make a move. The cost of living in the capital area is high. In order to expand our reach overseas, we needed land where our home ministry faced grow, which would be difficult in the Washington area because of cost and availability of land and office space. The Lord gave us Psalm 107 verse 7 as both direction and promise. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. An IV version. After serving more than 100 possible sites, we purchased 40 acres. How do you read it? Acres. Acres. 
40 acres of land in southeast Orlando on the shores of Lake Wilperville. Our relocation to Orlando has enabled us to grow and expand. The first phase of our facilities, dedicated in February 1999, includes the Missionary Service Center with its striking prayer tower. This and our facilities on the property help us better serve our missionaries and those they reach. Blazing New Paths For pioneers to be true to its name and heritage, whenever we are in our history, should always be just the beginning, the beginning to challenge new frontier, seek new impossibilities, undertake again, undertake giant ventures for God, discover and penetrate new unreached people groups with the message of Christ's love. I'm grateful that God opened my eyes to see that the most significant thing happening in the world is not taking place in the U.S. military or on Wall Street. It is God's program of world evangelization it is a continuation of Genesis chapter 12 when he set in motion a vast plan to redeem the world back to himself. The history of pioneers is really his story, God's story. He happened to us people who were ordinarily Christian, willing to be his vessels, thousands of pioneers, missionaries, staff, leaders, supporters, intercessors, and volunteers around the world. Each of us started with a dream, something God called us to do that seemed absolutely impossible. When God came calling in my life, I knew I wanted to be a part of a of a movement that was stamped, stamped by a sense of destiny. I still want nothing less. My passion is to see the Lord of the Harvest raise up a body of men and women who are an elite force, risking all and willing to die to take Christ where he is not known. Who are elite force, risking all and willing to die to take Christ where he is not known. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Jesus commenced commenced, commenced this extraordinary walk when he came calling on a group of fishermen, ordinary people with normal everyday lives. Follow me, he said to them, and I will make you fishers of men. See Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. He gave them a dream to be pioneers. What about you? 
You sense that God has come calling in your own life. What pioneering feeling has He given you to help get the task done? Maybe you don't feel worthy or trained or adequate for the job. Neither did I. God uses all kinds of people. What a thrill it is to see people offer themselves to God as broken, empty vessels and watch Him use them to play a significant role in world evangelization. When God came calling on Piggy and me, it was a lot like those tall ships I once saw grazing New York Harbor. We left the safe part to sail on unknown seas, not really knowing where God would take us. But in obedience, we went, trusting Him to bless us, and through us to bless all the peoples of the earth. What an adventure it has, it has been! You can be a part of that adventure too. God has given you special gifts, skills, and inter interests that He gave to no one else on the planet. Has He also given you a vision for the unreached? You can be a vital part of the final era of world evangelization, either by going yourselves or by mobilizing, sending, craving, or giving. See, we have uh, different approaches or channels we can partnership with Pioneer. Yes. I don't need to go by myself. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can by mobilizing, sending, praying, or giving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like now we are reading the, their book, so it's also one partnership, I think. Yes, especially we're doing it in public. Yes, although we don't have audience, <laughs> but it's fine. Who knows, so someday someone will hear it. Yeah. The growth of Christianity in the past two, de- in the past two decades has been nothing short of miracles miraculous. Yet, an astonishing 2 billion people remain unreached. A young man on a college, college campus once asked me, why are the Muslims making such progress in Africa? Because you are sitting here, I replied. God has given us open doors, and we need to move through them as fast as we can. I encourage you to step outside what is known and comfortable, to press ahead in spite of objections, to think outside the box and uh, off the beaten path. If you can't see very far ahead, go ahead as far as you can see. This is the time to leave the harbor, to be a pioneer, somewhere alive yet waiting to be touched and changed, in the mountains of Bolivia, inside a Bedouin 
hand in Egypt, in a bamboo hand in Papua New Guinea, or within the walls of an English language class in China. It has happened through you or someone like you. Jesus gave us a word of warning. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is come, night is coming, when no one can walk. John chapter 9 verse 4, NIV version. Today we have an unprecedented, an unprecedented and an urgent opportunity to walk while it is still day. Close the door means nothing to the Lord. In country after country, God has given access to the people who are on his heart. How will we respond? Will we go through the doors that he has opened before us? Rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate, don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, hey, that's none of my business, Will that get you off the hook? Proverbs chapter 24 verse 12, TMB version. You and I must live with the end in mind. That one day we will meet the father and give an answer for how we responded to him when he came calling in our lives. My goal is to please him and hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, NIV version. As I look to the future, I pray that our greatest years and yours are ahead that our trust will remain in God alone, that our vision will remain clear, that our zeal will be as strong as in the days of our youth, and that we will not lose the boldness to choose the roadless traveled, to blaze new paths and to risk great things for God. On a recent trip to Egypt, I traveled overland across the desert of the Sanya Peninsula with a pioneer missionary as my guide. The long day ended with a midnight swing in the Red Sea. Not far from our team's base of missionary a uh, ministry to the Bedouin, I rejoice that our workers have already placed a path enabling them to reach these Muslims non nom, Muslim nomads. What is nomads? Nomads are people who like travel and don't have a home oh yeah i remember it nomads yeah, yeah it's just across the gulf of uh, aquaba 
I could see the light of a Saudi, Saudi Arabia twinkling a mere 11 miles away. The distance is not far physically, but spiritually a chosen excess that makes Saudi Arabia one of the least evangelized countries on earth. No Christian workers are permitted, all Christian literature is banned, and the Sudis who confess Christ's faith death is discovered. Wow, that's terrible. What will it take to reach Saudi Arabia? Arabia is that right? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, for Christ. What will it take to see Saudi Arabians, and the Kurda, uh, and the Kurds, and the Fulani, and the Sundanese? Worshipping around the throne of God someday, bowing no toward our dead God or a merciless prophet, merciless prophet, but to the holy and righteous King of Kings. It will take a generation of international pioneers, bold men and women who hear the footsteps of God when he comes calling in their lives, who hear him asking, will you go where no one has gone before? Will you help send the gospel to the ends of the earth? I trust you will be ready to answer his call. It's end of the reading. Yes. Any thoughts? A new era? Um, I guess like when he talked about calling, that's definitely something important. Like, I really admire that he had such a strong sense of calling. Um, and I want to have a calling as well and I wonder like what my own calling is yeah what do you think is your calling um <laughs> like three or four years ago if uh, you ask me this question I would say definitely my calling is biblical counseling I wow I see God work everything together uh, to let me get along with all those great counselors, let me train by them and uh, talk the CCEF classes. And I read through a huge amount of the books about counseling. 
so I I thought as my I thought as my calling back to that time, but now I feel like, um, yeah, I might not be that suitable for this calling. Okay. Yeah, because um, to be a counselor, the person needs a lot of qualities, which I might not have right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have very good counseling qualities. In terms of, I think you're very talented at counseling people. <laughs> I'm very talented at asking tough questions, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I know. I'm too. I'm too deep. <laughs> Never ask. Sensitive. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't don't ask easy question. But you yeah. you know to be a counselor. Me yeah, I would think like need a quality, like you, be very very patient mm. mm-hmm. okay yeah maybe god will help me to be more patient mm-hmm. someday but now i do feel like uh, i need more practice <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. okay now i think my calling is uh I think uh, I always have a calling like I want to be the one who can support those uh, um, people who are in poverty or the, those who are marginalized or those who um, need the financially support in, for their ministry. I always like want to be the one who, who can support them financially. Mm. Okay. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Because they have, for those people who did, like, for those people who do the ministry, they kind of give up the worldly, um, worldly material and uh, decide to take a very difficult path. So, if I can help them, it will be, like, um, a way for me to show my appreciation, <laughs> and um, um, the way for me to show I'm, they are admirable to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So it's almost uh, the end of this book. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, the biggest things about the calling you've learned or you get your thoughts? I guess I'm just very struck by like how passionate they are about their calling to evangelize, and also just 
some of the stories are very miraculous of mm. the things that they they've done and that have happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like you know God is there, God is working. Mm. Yes, God is there definitely, and the God is working for sure. Mm-hmm. What about you? What's your biggest takeaway so far? My biggest takeaway is uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm, everything in my mind is about leadership, <laughs> mm-hmm. how to build a team, uh, how to delegate the uh, work, how to not burn out myself or the um, burn out as a leader. How to accomplish God's will through strategic solution? Mm, it's okay. it's the thing attract me most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm so limited. I really want to know what's the easiest, the simplest, the most effective way to get the biggest impact mm-hmm. yeah okay nice yeah so what the love i i heard there is a book about um, the strategic uh, um the strategy strategies Paul has taken in his ministry. So maybe we could read it someday. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Anything else you would like to discuss? Can't think of anything else. Okay, so let's end of today's discussion. Mm-hmm.